Hey guys, this is Eric Nelson. I decided to start a podcast talking with the people who make up Centerpoint Church and learn a little bit about each individual unique walk of faith. Hope you enjoy. I just feel me doing a podcast. Will you do this? <laughs> On this episode, I get to talk with Stephen Miller. I get to learn how he and his wife Elizabeth met his passion for the kids' ministry at the church, and how he manages work-life balance having four kids at home. Hope you enjoy. All right, so Stephen, thanks for uh, talking with me today. And I, um, I've been serving in the kids' uh, church a little bit. I kind of know you through that and through your, your sermons, but um, definitely think I want to get into, ask a little bit of questions I've never asked you before. And so... Um, hopefully uh, this goes goes well but um, uh, first thing I wanted to kind of ask you about was you know with your your wife uh, Elizabeth and yourself how did you how did you guys meet how did Elizabeth and I meet yeah uh, we met um, in a discipleship program when we were in college uh, I was in the program before she was she was actually going to a local uh, local university but we're pretty much the same age and so we met there. She was volunteering at the youth group, and I was just kind of around the church all the time. So we became friends um, through that ministry, through that organization. And uh, I actually ended up dating one of her friends first, and she was extremely jealous. <laughs> so she just uh, kept pushing and pushing. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But I did I did actually date one of her friends first uh-huh. um, that she knew. And um, after we were no longer dating, I began to pursue her a -hmm. few months after that. So uh, we had met, she was in the organization as well. She was in the discipleship program as well. Um, So we were able to connect that way. Actually, the first, one of the first memories I have of her um, was we were in the discipleship program going to, we were traveling around the country and um, we were traveling with this guy named Reggie Dabbs and we would travel on these buses and we didn't have like, expensive flights you know we weren't we weren't like a mlb team or something like that flying around we were in this bus and we'd have to travel overnight from place to place to place um so we'd fall asleep in the uh in this big bus and i woke up one morning to her leg i'm sorry her hand on my leg um and she was like sitting in front of me uh-huh. and her her hand somehow had you know gotten through the seats uh-huh. and it was on my leg and i'm like elizabeth elizabeth <laughs> And so that was one of the first memories I have. I barely knew her at that point, but okay, yeah, nice. The rest is history, and the rest is history. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, where was that? Where were you guys living at that point? Like when that you was met? in uh, Fort Myers, Florida. So okay. just three hours from here. Um, is that, that where you grew up? That's where about where she grew up. She okay. grew up right across the bridge there in Cape Coral. I grew up in Bradenton, Florida, which is on the south side of the Tampa Bay. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And so, um, you, how old were you when you got married? I was 22 years old. Okay. Uh, she was 20, she had just turned 23 and I was 22. Okay, cool. And so when did you guys move to the Melbourne Palm Bay area? Uh, it was about, was it been three years now? About, okay. yeah, a little, about three and a half years. And okay. so it was 2017, which was like, 2020 light for Mm -hmm. us like Mm -hmm. 2017 was not a fun year for a lot of people either everyone was making jokes back then the way they're making jokes about 2020 um but that was a moving year for us and that's when we moved over here was in summer of 2017 okay so 
you were living in Fort Myers area, and then you moved from to here, or was that? Or did you have a transition like place in between, or straight from Fort Myers to here? Yeah, okay. I say Fort Myers because that's kind of like the recognizable area, Around similar there. to the way maybe people say Melbourne if they're not familiar with yeah. what Palm Bay is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were actually from Cape Coral, okay. which in population is like double the size of Fort Myers, uh-huh. um, but it's just it doesn't have a whole lot of business, a lot of charisma, and okay. so everyone says, "Oh yeah, the Fort Myers area." Yep. Yeah. And so we we were in living in Cape Coral, and that's where she, that's the city she grew up in across the bridge, and we were living there for about eight years, I want to say. We had as soon as we got married, we lived in Tampa for about okay. three years. Uh, well, I finished up school, and then we moved down to Cape Coral, and that's where we bought a house and started the fam. Okay. Now, were you working in a church over in Cape Coral area? Yeah, it was a um, it was a, a church very similar to Centerpoint in uh-huh. in size. Um, it was called Venture Church. It was a formerly like a satellite church of a much larger mega church, uh-huh. but they became independent um, uh, maybe a decade ago now. Uh, they became their own uh, kind of freestanding ind- individual church. I'm, I'm, I can't remember the name of what that actually is. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, they became their own church, um, self-budgeted, self-governed, that whole thing. Um, very similar in size, uh, but it was a Assemblies of God church called Venture Church. And were you with uh, kids ministry there, or how, what, what was your role there? Yeah, I was the uh, family pastor over okay. there, um, and I was only in that position for for ten months uh-huh. before moving over here. It wasn't it wasn't long. I wasn't in full time ministry for for um, a long extended time before uh-huh. before moving over here. Okay, cool. So how did you get involved with like kids ministry? Was that something that you've kind of been, um, you know, pursued early on or was that something kind of just you felt called to do or how did that come about? Um, it's always been, I don't know if it's my personality, um, but I love, uh, I love having a good time, having fun and being, uh, and acting like a kid. And sometimes you can't do that with an adult, no offense. <laughs> um, so I love being around kids, kids bringing out the best in me for sure. Uh, when I was in that Christian discipleship program called Master's Commission over in Fort Myers uh, about 15 years ago, however many years it was, um, I had the opportunity to serve in kind of wherever you wherever you found was a good fit or wherever they needed. And more often than not, I found myself serving with kids, whether it be uh, uh, kids in low-income areas going into uh, like their neighborhoods and doing like street evangelism or um, co-running a kids ministry at a at a church that was just getting started um, you know a couple different things there and I think I'd also previously mentioned in one of my sermons that I was a, a pastor at a camp mm-hmm. up in North Carolina that I grew up going to as a kid and then my last year there I was the camp pastor I think I was about 21 years old 20 years old something like that um, so kids was always a part of my life in terms of uh, ministry aspect but then I went on this big hiatus um, when we got married, um, I kind of needed to find a job. Mm-hmm. And so I worked at, in retail for 11 years okay. and I never really, um, was in a ministry position. I would volunteer occasionally at like, you know, the summer camps or things like that, but it wasn't, it wasn't on my radar as much. And so when the opportunity came to jump back into ministry and actually be in a full-time ministry position, um, the opportunity was in a kid's position, and I jumped right in it, um, interviewed for it, and and started that. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, been involved with kids ministry way before having kids and everything. Mm-hmm. 
how has that been kind of seeing your kids be involved in something that you're helping to lead or being the leader of and everything? And uh, has that kind of changed uh, seeing how your kids interact with, with church and, you know, obviously um, being in different services, having, you know, mm-hmm. your kids be there for a while, like has that changed how you kind of organize and uh, lead at the kids ministry? Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely see um, in terms of like being relevant mm-hmm. and culturally relevant, I definitely leverage my kids a lot to see what they're interested in. Because if they're not interested in it, then all the other kids probably are not interested in it. So I use them in terms of what's relevant. Um, it has been great. It's been really weird. Like I said, I've only been in, in ministry for um, about four, four and a half years now. Um, and so when I jumped in, Riley, I think was in second grade, okay. I think. So he was kind of like right in your middle of the elementary age, but I had all my other kids like down through the preschool and stuff like that. So it's been pretty cool to see them grow up from like jump from one small group to the next as they get older. But I'll tell you what, I remember when I, um, when I interviewed for the position, I remember talking to the the lead pastor at my previous church who was a friend of mine and he uh he told me because he had kids too that were uh my kids age and he said um that having pastor's kids is just so weird and because he you know he had worked with so many over the years too um but he he told me he's like one of his biggest fears would be that his kids would grow up in like not like church Mm -hmm. like that was one of his biggest fears is that his kids would not want to go to church they would say it wasn't fun or they would just be bored with it or they would just get old with it you know and so he was excited um to hear you know every week that the kids were were loving it like his kids were loving kids church and i think that's important that's another kind of filter i run it through too like are my own kids wanting to come to church um because i hear of other parents being like oh they couldn't they were they woke me up this morning at seven o'clock. Said they want you know that makes me feel great, yeah. uh, for sure. Um, but if my kids aren't excited about going to church, then then maybe I need to re- reevaluate a little bit too. Yeah, and so you've got four kids yeah. and um, you know working full time at the church. Obviously, very busy guy. Did you always know that you wanted a, a big family? I guess that's big for me. I've got two kids and I think <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm, uh, if we're done, but, uh, um, definitely feeling like it's, it's a lot. So can't even imagine four kids, but, um, did you always know you wanted to have a big family? Yeah. And every time I think I'm like, wow, I have four kids. That's a big family. I always just remind myself that I have friends that have like six yeah. and seven kids. And I'm like, maybe yep. I don't have it so bad. Uh-huh. You know, it could have been that, but we had always wanted a big family, whether honestly, whether it was our kids or whether we were going to adopt in some way, and that may still be in our future down the road. Um, but Elizabeth and I, we're both like, we're both the young kids in the family. Like we're both the youngest. So we have older siblings. And so we have that, um, that very fun personality. And so both of us really mesh well because of that reason. And so we're both interested in just having a good time. Like, and then obviously there's more to our personalities than that. <laughs> but we're both that um, that very fun, loving people. And so we uh, we both enjoy being around kids. And so it was only natural for us to want to have a big family and to surround ourselves. And we're both interested in growing older as grandparents mm-hmm. and having lots and lots of grandkids. <laughs> That's both something that we want. We want to see our kids grow up and we want to see them make good choices and come back for Thanksgiving and Christmas and have a very close family. Like we both have seen uh, families that 
grow apart mm-hmm. and families that grow closer as they grow older. And mm-hmm. we are, we want our kids to be, to want to be around us um, as they get older. Now, did you and Elizabeth come from bigger families or um, did you guys have a few brothers and sisters or how was that? Not huge. No, I'm, I'm the youngest of three. She's the youngest of two. Okay. And so uh, we've kind of eclipsed that mm-hmm. um, where we came from. Um, but I think, uh, I think we like the idea of big family. I think okay. we see that and that's something that we want. Now, do your parents or her parents live close by? Uh, do the kids have a relationship with their grandparents and everything? Yeah. Uh, her, her family still lives in Cape Coral. Her okay. sister and her mom and stepdad live there. Uh, my family, uh, like I said, I grew up in Bradenton. As soon as I left the house, they sold the house okay. and moved up to um, right outside Atlanta in Carrollton, Georgia. Oh, nice. uh, that's where my sister kind of settled. So they live uh, near my sister. My brother stayed in Bradenton. Okay, cool. And so we do have uh, kind of family scattered just a little bit. And we try to stay in touch uh, for the most part at holidays. But outside of that, it's really, it's really hard. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so uh, kind of going into, you know, that having the big family and everything and then being, you know, involved in the church. And there's, you know, not like a set schedule, I'm sure, with, you know, your um, being in the, the kids ministry and there's always something that's coming up. How do you help to manage that kind of work-life balance? And is that even a thing <laughs> for you? Yeah, no, honestly, it's not as um, it's not as hard as you think. And maybe I'm saying that because um, of my 11 years in retail, when I was in retail, it was a lot harder uh, managing a store, um, and, it's, and it was 45 minutes away, and so it was that much tougher having to drive an hour and a half every day. And so, compounded with the fact that sometimes I wouldn't be able to get off till seven o'clock at night, I'd be, you know, or if I was closing, I wouldn't get home until 10:30, 11 o'clock at night. That was tough to be able to not eat with Elizabeth and Riley and Kennedy at the time, and um, being able to put them to sleep. And so now. Even though things are a little more uh, fluid, meaning like in retail, it was once you're off, you're off. Um, in ministry, you're kind of never off. You're always um, maybe responding to things, even when you're at home or, or kind of thinking about things or working on things at home because it kind of uh, gets absorbed like it's a little more fluid. Even though that's the case, I'm definitely around my kids more. Yeah. And that's something that I'm very thankful for. Um, I'm able to k- pick up my kids from school every day and bring them home. So um, I think that's one of the things I realized that I'm very blessed to be able to do and have that opportunity. And I hope it sticks. Nice. And so how do you, I mean, being involved in the kids ministry and then going home being, you know, dad and everything, mm-hmm. how, how do you manage time for yourself, I guess, or a time for, for you and Elizabeth? Do you set aside like a date night or how, how do you guys manage that? Um, most of our, uh, most of our time together is at night once the kids go to bed. So, um, it's usually get in bed, get in bed. We want our time together. You know, uh, we're never saying it like that, but that's usually what it is. And parents can probably all agree. It's kind of like, just go to bed. We need our time now we're done. Um, so it's not that we don't love our kids. We just, we definitely want to um, you know, share our time together. So most of our time together is usually um, when we first come home, you know, we'll connect uh, verbally there, but then also late at night. In terms of having a date night, it's, well, we're in COVID season, so things are a little different yeah. and it's, they're few and far between. But um, for the most part, it's, we get away every now and again. It's not like a regular weekly thing. 
Um, and that's you can chalk that up to just we have young kids, mm-hmm. and it's tough a to uh, to be able to afford to have a babysitter once a week, but also they have activities too, mm-hmm. and so it's really tough to be able to say we can't be at your game because we we're going out on a date. So that's that just doesn't happen. Yeah. So we're committed to our kids and raising them and uh, being there for them, um, and we're also committed to each other, of course. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, as far as, you know, you, you personally do, I know obviously have, that would be stressful at times. You, do you have any type of hobbies or outlets that you kind of enjoy personally? Um, yeah, well, uh, sometimes I, um, I'm able to get on golf maybe like once a year, which is yeah. not often at all. Uh-huh. So in terms of like a consistent, regular uh, outlet, um, Personally, no, it's not like I, I have this hobby that I kind of get lost in. No, it's really spending time with my kids and spending time with Elizabeth, uh, watching movies. I love movies. Uh-huh. Nice. Any movies that you've seen lately that um, you've enjoyed? Yeah, you know what? They don't make uh, romantic comedies like they used to. <laughs> uh, back in the 90s, uh-huh. and maybe early 2000s, we were bombarded with them. Gosh, the Christmas uh, romantic comedies are all coming out now and everything. Oh, the Hallmark ones? Oh, gosh, yeah. I have this theory about Hallmark movies where if, because they're all the same, right? Mm-hmm. We know that. We can acknowledge them. And this isn't anything new. I've told Elizabeth this, but I have this theory that if Hallmark just did like one, just one movie that just threw us for a loop where the people actually didn't get together, <laughs> like something else happened. Uh-huh. They would get so much publicity yep. because at this point, everybody, they're so predictable. So everybody would just start talking about them. Did you see the Hallmark movie that didn't happen the way it was supposed to? <laughs> everybody would talk about them. So Hallmark, if you're listening, here's a are, multi-billion dollar are. idea for you. Uh, but no, there's this movie called Yesterday that came out, um, I think last I year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was that, that rom-com mm-hmm. that we just don't have that much anymore where it was witty. It was funny. And, um, it was it was good to watch with your spouse. That was the one where he like nobody knows about the Beatles songs. Is Hilarious, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And yeah. I love his reaction, yeah. <laughs> his accent, uh, everything about that character. He did so good yeah. with that. So, that was a good movie. Yeah. Um, now, as far as um, you know, with being in this time with the the, the pandemic and everything coming about, uh, what would you say, if you could imagine that COVID spontaneously ends December 31st, <laughs> and I know that would, you know, very far-fetched, but uh, what would, what should the first kind of three months look like for the church and specifically for the kids' ministry? I mean, I, we've been missing out on a lot of, you know, just connection and everything and um, you know, what, what would you plan out if, if we could just have free reigns again where we could kind of do whatever and uh, have the community back? Uh, what, what would you do with the first three months in the kids' ministry or for the church? Wow, this is okay. If we're playing hypothetical, <laughs> very hypothetical, is this it like never happened at that point or it's, it's, it's just gone? It's just gone. Yeah. Wow. Um, as much as in person gathering is super important like we can definitely see its value we at this point we've kind of recognized that that's not what makes up a church there's so many other facets and what makes us a church and so um if we can all of a sudden just gather free reign like you mentioned um i think it would just be it would be joyous there'd be a lot of joy because we would feel like we can now be safe gathering and i think there'd also be some element of uh dreaming big um Sometimes right now it feels like what we can do is just so limited. And so we always kind of run it through the filter of can we do this with mm-hmm. the COVID and everything. So 
I think we would be able to dream big a little bit. I think things like school assemblies will be back on the table. Um, there's this um, this idea of doing like because we we do the big idea experience at the schools, and so I've been wanting to do this like God's big book type assembly um, or rally here at the church. We've been talking about it, or it's been in my mind for like two years now. Kind of inviting all the schools to come for some sort of event where we can talk to them about the saving knowledge of Jesus and mm-hmm. something we can't really talk about directly in the schools from the stage. And so to be able to kind of have that event would be back on the table. Um, and then we could start playing for camp. That's about the time I start thinking yeah. about camp is that February, March time. So okay. I think there's just a lot of things that would be back on the table okay. um, that we would be able to actually function and do. But as a church, I think it just bring a lot of joy. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned the, the the big idea. When when did that start? When did you start kind of going into the schools with that? And and what does that look like? Uh, I've never been to one, and so uh, how would you describe it? Yeah, it started. Was it, it's been about three years when I stepped into the position here at uh, at Center Point. Um, I immediately started to look. Okay, what can we do with the schools? Because the church I was at, I previously connected with what's called the Good News Club. Very similar to what the Dove Bible Club is here. Um, and so we used the Good News Club as an opportunity to connect with a local school that was down the street from us. But here in Brevard County, there's no, um, I guess, chapter of the Good News Club. And, and the Dove Club or Dove Bible Club, honestly, it's already in so many different schools, if not all the schools. And so I was kind of looking for doing something different. As I mentioned, when I was traveling with Reggie Dabbs many years ago when we were traveling around the country, uh, we were doing school assemblies largely at middle and high schools. Mm-hmm. And we would go into, you know, maybe four or five high schools in a day and then invite them back that night for like a night rally. Um, and so I started thinking, OK, can we do something similar to that? At the uh, at the elementary school age, and so I began exploring, and I, I found some content out there that we we would easily be able to incorporate that actually works with what we already do in the kids ministry, and I was just kind of looking into it, started connecting with some of the schools. Um, we started with Turner Elementary School, and they were all about it. I loved it because we had. Um, we we're actually building upon a foundation that was already there for like a decade ahead of us. It wasn't like we suddenly formed this partnership mm-hmm. with schools. This church has been connected with schools for years. And so we are, um, we are just building upon that and uh, using those relationships as an opportunity to start it. So, And pretty much what it is, is we go into these schools and we'll like say, for instance, for Turner Elementary, their school has 600 kids. We can't get all 600 kids into one auditorium, so we will break it up into two, like two services. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll bring in like 250, 300 kids at a time, and we'll do an assembly. They'll leave, and then another group will come in. Uh, but it's about 40 minutes, um, fun dancing, games, and then also some sort of um, message. And honestly, it's a lot of it is geared around uh, morality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that sounds uh, like, well, why is the church, you know, just a part of a morality movement? Well, that is kind of what we are limited to within the schools. Mm-hmm. I would love to be able to talk about God and Jesus and everything. But, of course, we're not able to do that and still have a solid relationship. I could probably do it. Mm-hmm. And then I would never be back again. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've considered that at times. But no, but normally I'm I'm kind of in a place where um, I'm kind of just connecting with them Uh personally instead and i challenge our team because we usually bring about a team of like eight nine ten people 
And um, I challenged them to go find that person. This is what we would do with Reggie so many years ago is we would look for the person that's broken, looking for the kid that doesn't want to talk to anybody and go talk to them, um, ask them questions, let them know that you love them. And, um, and then at the end of the assembly, of course, we can always invite them back to church. We can invite them to Wednesdays and Sundays. Um, and we've seen we've seen kids. That's awesome. Um, I wish I could say that it's been, you know, like every kid has come. Um, sometimes, <laughs> church <of> that. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> sometimes we go to schools and and we, you know, we invite 600 kids. Right. We invite all these kids to church. And then that Sunday, I'm like, oh, we're going to see a lot of kids, you know, and then there's nobody. But then three weeks later, in like one Sunday, we'll have like four of those kids would just show up. Mm-hmm. So it's it's sprinkled. It's not like a flood of kids that just respond, but because obviously they, it's not up to them. It's up to their parents. Yeah. So that's cool. And so yeah, I didn't even know. I mean, that seems like a pretty big facet of what you were doing. Uh, prior to, to COVID is kind of scheduling those as well, but uh, different kind of aspects of, of your job and everything. What would you say is kind of the most energizing part of uh, what you do? And, and what would you say is kind of the most draining or taxing on, on you? Um, obviously with jobs, there's give and take and uh, you know things that come, come up. What would you say in that regard? Yes, I would say in terms of like the energizing part of it, I really do enjoy uh, speaking with the kids. And it's the same for speaking over with the adults too. But uh, being able to communicate a message, to be able to take scripture and kind of walk kids through it, even the basic parts of it. There's something about um, the words of the Bible, the stories of the Bible, parables, um, isolated scripture or whole passage of scripture that just that really does energize me in terms of being able to help myself understand it, but also be able to communicate it to kids in a way to help them understand it. Because it, honestly, it's so practical. Mm-hmm. There's so much in scripture, um, aside from the gospel itself, that's just so practical that um, I feel like kids can really learn and grow from themselves just as people, as humans. And so be able to take things away like that. Um, I love being able to communicate that. Um, and I love worship with them too. Mm-hmm. Like when we're not able to be in person together worshiping, that was probably the toughest thing yeah. because I could... I can talk on a camera, right? Like we could communicate on a, on a camera, but, um, being able to worship with the kids was, um, was one of the, uh, uh, I guess casualties of that time period. Um, and the time period we're kind of in right now because not everybody is still coming back in person. Um, but one of the things I would say that, that maybe is most draining mm-hmm. on me and I'm, not secretive about this at all because if you've been around the office during like a as we're leading up to an event or something I'm usually like this is not my thing I um, you know one of the main things that we do in kids ministry is we throw events Uh and one of the things that drains me the most is events like events just drain me man like Uh there's just so so many things that I know that I'm not thinking about mm-hmm. that, that stresses me out there. And then I'll think about it at like two in the morning. I'll wake up and be like, Oh my gosh, what about that part of the event? You uh-huh. know? So there's many things, um, event related uh-huh. that definitely drain me. And, um, so I need to surround myself with more people that, <laughs> that could just take up that mantle for me because there's, there's nothing that stresses me out more. Yeah. I mean, 
now I'm sure with big like planning events and everything, not knowing if it can physically happen or, yeah. you know, it's a lot of, you know, finding, oh, well, if it, we can't do it this way, you know, what's the second route or whatever. There was a big event. I, I forget. Was it a city? Fest was that the name of it that was did that kind of wasn't able to happen and everything and um, you were you were kind of setting up for to um, do a lot with that as well right what what was your gonna role gonna be with that we were leading um, part of the family fun zone it's a it's a ginormous event uh-huh. um, and it was there in the bottom of the ninth inning in terms of that happening <clears throat> it was I think it mid to late March last year I can't yeah. remember the exact date and so it was like a week or two before. And they had to pull the plug. They didn't just skip town because this is a this is a group from out of town that was doing it, um, leveraging a lot of the local leaders. But they rescheduled it. I think it's March sixth and seventh of this coming okay. year. They've rescheduled it, and so we're back in it. We're back into the planning phase of it, and we're still in that same role, the family fun zone. Mm-hmm. There's like uh, there's six or seven of us, like kids pastors within Brevard County. That are that are putting this family fun zone on, and we're kind of leading the the bounce house section of it. So okay. there'll be like a dozen or so bounce houses, hopefully obstacle course ones, and not actual bounce yeah. houses. Ones that they could just kind of pass through and not have kids linger because that's yeah. important at this time period. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's a huge event, and we'll see how that looks. Um, pushing it to the beginning of March will only help the weather. I'm mm-hmm. sure. Usually, yeah. the beginning of March is a whole lot better than the end of March. Yeah. And um, so as well with your job, you know, getting up there and leading sermons uh, mm-hmm. on Sunday mornings and everything. Um, I really enjoyed your, your last sermon and everything going into marriage and, and conflict and everything. And, um, you know, reading from the, the scriptures there, um, how, um, you know, your wife and your, you and your wife, Elizabeth and everything, you know, just seeing your family, it's, you know, something that, you know, I think that you, you look at and uh, people are like, man, they've got it figured out. Like, I feel like that's something that you go, at least Avery and I have kind of looked at you guys and been like, man, you know, they're doing something right and everything. Um, what would you say is would advice you would give to newly um, engaged couples or uh, married couples that were kind of getting into being married as far as things that have worked for for you and Elizabeth any advice come to mind that would be kind of general um, general advice first I, I'm well I'll take the compliment um, <laughs> I think it's I think it's pretty well known that when people compliment you you're like really us <laughs> our kids you know our kids are well behaved you know you never really think about that you know, teachers are always like, "My, your your kid's the best kid in my class," and all you can think about, and this is so bad as a parent, but all you can think about is everything that they did wrong or the thing they did wrong that morning, and uh-huh. you're like, "Really?" Because they're grounded for the next two weeks. Are you sure, my kid? And so I hear that, and I'm just, I'll take it. But um, at the same time, I'm kind of like, I, I, I don't know. Instagram's not real, man. You know, <laughs> there's so many things that uh, I guess we put out there as people, and that people see. And they just, um, I, I guess it looks good, but there's, there's, you know, there's an ugliness to every relationship. And uh, not saying that Elizabeth and I have this ugly relationship, because we don't. It's a very um, loving, caring, um, selfless relationship. And I think that's maybe the key. Um, I found out a long time ago that my time isn't necessarily my own. Mm-hmm. I think I remember coming home. This was shortly after we were married. And this was before cell phones, man. Like cell phones have changed everything because um, before, like to get information, 
uh, whether it be like news, fantasy football, ESPN updates, whatever you're into. Um, that was all done through the computer. It wasn't on your cell phone. And so I would come home from a long day of retail work and I would go to the computer to kind of catch up for an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I quickly found out that I couldn't do that anymore, man. Like my time's not my own. So if you're, if you're looking for advice, um, just kind of reevaluate the way you spend your time and allocate your time. Um, be selfless. Um, there's, I mean, there is a, I think I consider it a myth. Some people would probably double down and say it's absolutely not a myth, but uh, there's the old cliche, couples that pray together, stay together. And I say it's a cliche because um, I think there is some truth to it because when you have that foundation of faith within a relationship, I think that's absolutely beneficial. But I think we could probably all think of a couple maybe that pray together and didn't end up together. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I've known couples like that. I could probably count five couples in my head that were solid uh, spiritually, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, because praying isn't the only aspect of a marriage. There's so much to it. And I feel like it kind of starts with uh, being selfless, putting the other person before yourself, their needs. Um, and so while praying is important, I think there's other aspects that are just as important. Yeah. And I, and I think in your, your sermon as well, you brought up like the, um, you know, conflict, you're arguing without the intention of, of winning necessarily. Yeah. And, and also being able to say, say you're sorry for absolutely nothing. And that's, yeah. uh, that's something that you definitely learn a little bit, um, uh, kind of getting into to marriage and everything. Uh, is there anything that uh, you and Elizabeth do as far as um, boundaries or guardrails that you guys help to set up to kind of protect your marriage or, you know, keep you guys uh, close together. Anything come to mind for that? Um, yeah, in terms of uh, protecting the marriage, um, I think it's in, I don't know if Elizabeth knows about it, but it's more of my own personal thing. Um, you know, we're always susceptible regardless as men and women to kind of being connected to other individuals uh, romantically. And so we always need to kind of have our guardrails up. That's when you said the word guardrails, that's what came to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the tips I learned a long time ago from a friend was to really n- not put yourself in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is I see so often where um, it could be so easy to hop into a, um, a car or be in a space with somebody of the opposite sex and you're, you're setting yourself up for failure at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was something that I had to recognize because in retail, we, we would have to go to the bank a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we would, um, you had to have two people going to the bank at all times. And so we would have to almost get in a car together and drive there. And so just letting Elizabeth know, you know, like I'm going to be in a car um, with um, with somebody else. Luckily, that was only at, like one of the stores that I helped out a lot. But mostly in my store, we just walked it up there. Um, so that was nice. But um, yeah, it's it's just being conscious of that. There have been other parts in our marriage where um, I've I've not gone somewhere or um, I've had to let Elizabeth know I'm going to be in the car with someone of the opposite sex and just kind of setting yourself up for success by doing that um, and kind of be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. So. And I think that's 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 something important in trying to, to navigate that as well. I mean, we see 
in culture. I mean, I think there was recently the uh, pastor of Hillsong or whatever um, got fired and, you know, there was infidelity there. And so, um, you know, I think when we start to feel that, you know, that could never be us or that could, we're, we're too good for that or whatever, mm-hmm. that's where kind of that foothold comes in and having those, you know, extra guardrails before that even becomes, you know, a, you know, temptation, I think is, is important and, and keeping, you know, married, the marriage strong and everything. And so it's definitely, um, you know, part of our culture and um, something that I think about where, you know, it's just like, man, you, you look at these people and you're like, oh, they've, they've, um, you know, they're part of a big church or whatever, and they, they must be r- really good or whatever. And then mm-hmm. you, you see the, them, them falling short. And so, you know, is there anything we could do to help to protect ourselves from getting to that point point and everything um and so that's uh that's something i i definitely think about and everything but um you know as far as uh leading um you know people in in the 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 church and everything with with marriage uh have you have you seen yourself in um your relationship develop uh, as being kind of a married couple being leaders in the church what what have you seen kind of as your relationship has um, evolved, uh, how, bringing you guys closer as a marriage, kind of being involved, because obviously you guys are both involved in the church. Um, anything come to mind for that? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, Elizabeth speaks really well when she's in front of people, and she's, I mean, I'll give, I'll get up for Elizabeth. She's just, she's the better part of me for sure. Better, she's better at pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> So I'll give her huge props for that, and I really mean it. Um, and so naturally, a lot of people do attract to her mm-hmm. and and want her to to speak, whether it be announcements, kids ministry, whatever. And um, so she does have her face out there yet. Plus, she's gorgeous. My <laughs> wife is so so pretty, um, and she has a great smile. And so she is um, she's easily she can be a good face. And so being in ministry together with her um, has been awesome for that regard because she's just so talented and I can use her for so many different things within kids ministry. I could put her anywhere and she could be successful. Plus she loves God so much. Um, She loves Jesus. And um, so it it comes through naturally for her. She doesn't really have to try. Mm -hmm. So she's a, she's just excellent. So it's nice to be able to have that, uh, I guess, companion um, that I can (laughs) rely on when I need her. Um, And she's, uh, she's great. And I think it's important, too, because for your kids, seeing both mom and dad are up there, you know, worshiping God or working together to, you know, help people lead people closer to Christ. I think mm-hmm. that they they see that and they they can help to emulate that or they can look at that. And it, it it's natural. It's 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 something that's part of your full family dynamic, mm-hmm. you know, with my myself. I, I grew up in a you know a family where my mom went to church, my dad didn't. And so it was kind of that two worlds where it was like you go to church and then you come home and there's just a different dynamic. But, Mm -hmm. um, how have you seen that in your, your kids kind of walk with faith and everything and helping them develop and grow spiritually? Um, and how, how has that been kind of with your home life? Um, is there any kind of tips or tricks you would give to a a new dad? I'm asking for a friend, Mm -hmm. um, but um, (laughs) that that helped to grow your kids spiritually uh, that you started out with kind of early on. Um, You know, it is interesting because, you know, Elizabeth and I are very involved in church. And since a young age, all of our kids have gone to church regularly. Elizabeth actually was 
employed at the church before I was at the church we came from. She was already on staff there for about three years as like a, an assistant to, like she led the connections group. She was also assistant in the family ministries to the previous family pastor that was there. And so our kids have been really grown up in it, not to mention they attend a Christian school. And so I've been very mindful and cautious of that. Um, and maybe this is my own um I guess my own uh, situation, but I've, I've, it sounds so bad, but maybe I, I don't want to necessarily bombard my kids mm-hmm. with, um, with church. Um, they haven't reached that point yet where they're like sick of it, where they're like, oh gosh, I don't want to go to church. Like they've never really said that. That's good. Um, but I want to also be mindful of that that day could be right around the corner. And so, because they're already, they're already talking about God mm-hmm. at school. They're already talking about God at church, they're talking about um, God in athletics because they're school related. Mm-hmm. So, and we're talking about God at home. And so, I try to um, just give them space in that, give them room to think, give them room to grow, um, and not let them feel bad. And I, th- I say it like this: like, there's a way to to grow a kid spiritually, and it's not by making them feel bad about not doing things. And I think we all respond differently to criticism. But in terms of our faith, I think that's just not healthy. Like if we're, then I've done this too. And I've immediately when I've done it, I've been like, why did I say that? Because I, you know, say things like, hey, when was the last time you've read your Bible? Or when was the last time you prayed? You know, like yeah. that's not healthy mm-hmm. um, in terms of discipling your own kids. So I think it's... Um, I think it's important to give them space in that regard. Instead of making them feel bad about not praying or reading their Bible, invite them to join you or invite, invite them to pray with you or to read with you if you, if you feel like um, there's some room to grow there. That's good. No, um, that's really good. So going into you know, this next kind of holiday season, everything, what are, what are the kids looking forward to? Uh, any big... Uh, presents or toys out there that uh, are on the horizon for uh, your family? All right. Uh, Riley, <laughs> Kennedy, Finley, if you're listening to this, go ahead and um, turn, it turn it off. I'm just kidding. Um, my, all my kids can do hoverboards, man. Are they? Like, I don't understand it. Uh, okay, so Riley has a hoverboard. Okay. And he's a natural with his, with his feet, with his hands. He can do whatever he wants. Like athletically, the kid just picks everything up so quick. Do you do and it? And I thought that can was just can... him. I can't do it. Oh, no. I can't do the hoverboard. Elizabeth can do it, like with her hands up in the air, grabbing onto things. You uh-huh. know. Um, Have you seen the fails of people just eating it? I think I saw one of Mike Tyson, the oh really, no, just eating it on one of those hoverboards. I haven't, <laughs> and and you would see one of me if I really tried. But I I do I don't have good balance with that kind of stuff. But Riley's a natural. Kennedy tries it, and she's. She's kind of the clumsy one in the family, and she can do it. Uh-huh. And then Finley tries it. Finley's a natural. And then wow. Avery does it. No way. Avery can go down hills on the hoverboard. Wow. We go to, the, like, the softball field, and he he's on the hoverboard just just riding around, and he's got, like, people just staring at him. They're like, how, the, how in the world is he doing this right now? He's mm-hmm. three. But he can do it. And so I think just, I don't know, all of our kids are getting hoverboards this year because they all share the one. Nice. So they might just all be getting hoverboards. We'll That's see. cool. 
That's awesome. Yeah, Avery uh, and Zeke, I feel like they, they're on the same frequency when uh, I see uh, my son and your son uh, kind of getting together and everything. They, yeah. Uh, I feel like they have a, s- a similar energy, so um, I'm excited to see what that'll look like uh, when they're a little bit older. They're so similar, yeah. man. There's, you know, you, Avery, like, post stuff on stories and uh-huh. stuff like that, and Elizabeth will be flipping through or something, and then I'll hear Zeke talking. I'm like, oh, is that Avery? Like, he literally sounds like Avery. That's awesome. And I just, and they even look alike, which is kind of funny. So, <laughs> well, um, basically, I, I, you know, thanks for talking with me today. I, um, I enjoyed kind of getting to know you a little bit more. Uh, is there any kind of closing thoughts or um, just things that you want to share with the church, kind of going into this holiday season or anything? Uh, nothing comes to mind. (laughs) No worries. (laughs) Sorry. Um, No, that's fine. Uh, But hopefully maybe you can get uh, you and Elizabeth together. I'd like to ask kind of some more marriage questions maybe eventually and kind of get into that a little bit more um, if this podcast doesn't get taken off or anything. (laughs) But um, but yeah, I just wanted to thank you and uh, hope you have a good day. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it, man.